everyone and welcome to Happy Dance, the podcast for dance teachers. I have the awesome Louise with us here today. Um, so introduce yourself, tell us a bit about your dance journey. Okay, so I'm Louise Ringshaw. Um, my dance school is Chameleon Theatre Arts based in Wickford um, in Essex. And yeah, I started dancing when I was around six years of age. My dance teacher hadn't set our dance school up yet. And she used to come to my house and teach me privately. And I used to tap on the back of a door in my mum's front room. A couple of years later, probably about three or four years later, she opened the dance school and I was her first ever student teacher and worked my way through, took my first uh, teaching exam, student teacher exam at 16, passed my full teachers when I was 23, then opened my own dance school up in Cambridgeshire. Life didn't work out how we wanted it to in Cambridgeshire and I came back and I actually bought my dance teacher's um, dance school and took that over. And we used to run from a village hall and within a year of running the dance school, I decided that I wanted my own studio space. And my dad owned a factory that the uh, business that was in there left. And I just saw it as an amazing opportunity to kind of have our own space that was ours. Six years after being there, uh, felt like it was time for us to move on because we had a bit of a leaky roof. My dad didn't want to fix <laughs> or he fixed it and it kept leaking. So we wanted something different and we moved to Rayleigh and that was amazing for us. We loved it. It was in the town centre. We um, loved the area and the, and the students that it brought. Sadly, they decided to build flats on where we were. And seven years later, we've moved to Wickford. And we're really happy there. It's lovely. But it was in the middle of lockdown. So, so yes, I mean, we do shows and we do exams and some competitions. Not an awful lot of competitions, but we do. And um, we run under the Association of American Dancing, which was an association that was set up by Fred Astaire and um, Judith Chollerton about 80 years ago. Oh, wow. So did you, where you had to move studios and kind of almost move locations, did you find that that was almost like starting afresh? Did lots of students move with you? Because I know personally, um, if I can't get a studio, I can get one down the road. Half of them are like, no, we'll, we'll wait till next week. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, you know, I did really try to get into a studio very close to Rayleigh. And we actually found premises in Benfleet, which was literally five minutes because it's the other side of the Rayleigh Weir um, and we were we applied for planning permission but then a dance school that was very close by actually we believe contested it they watched one of our our li Facebook lives about moving there um, and they 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 felt well, I think they felt threatened by us sadly which as I was saying to you earlier as I feel like we can all help each other I don't feel like it's a competition between dance schools but but we lost the planning permission on that, so we couldn't move in there. And then I was getting desperate because it, as a lot of dance teachers that know who have their own studios, to get a studio that you can get the planning permission for has been really difficult. However, the laws have changed now since last September, and there's now a new E-class, which covers a lot of the premises now, which make it much easier to get planning permission to run your dance studio from, which... We would have been okay if it had been from that time, but I believe that everything happens for a reason and we were meant to find where we are now because we love it. Um, the students have followed me. I do have students that come from all over anyway. I've got students that come to me from Harlow, 
that come from Malden Way, from Dagnan. I've got a lot, a lot of different students that have followed me from when we were in Corringham originally and have moved at every little hop we've had. And obviously when people have joined us in an area and then we move, they've sometimes joined because of the ease of it being just around the corner. And I understand that, that, you know, I do understand that it's not convenient for some people, but our hardcore long-term students have stayed with us. So we're really, really grateful to them. That's lovely that you've got those loyal, loyal, hardcore students that will follow you everywhere. I think that's the difference, isn't it? It's um, that divide between people that want it just purely as something recreational and fun and just once a week come along and other students that are like, no, this is my passion. I want to be here every second I can. And I think obviously you're kind of fun students are like the bread and butter but I think it's those long-term students that you see the most growth in and that you get the most out of most of the time yeah definitely definitely and um they're often the ones that do kind of stick and then end up doing it as a career or teaching you know and that's really the heart of why we do it I think yeah, definitely to ignite that that passion and that spark of their love of dance growing and fanning the flames and everything like yeah. that. Yeah. Did you train in a certain style? Do you have like a favourite style you you love to teach at the moment? Yeah, well, I've always, always, always loved tap. I love ballet because obviously it's the core of all of all the genres. You know, it's it's just you know it gives you all your technique, doesn't it? But I do love tap. I love making it as complicated as possible. I love giving my students a challenge. And yeah, I just, yeah, I find that the most fun to teach. Yeah. How have you found teaching tap over Zoom? Because the time delay is so annoying as it is, let alone listening for taps and wings and that's what the students have reported back. They've said that actually tap has been the hardest to catch up on on zoom plus the sound problem so because of it being quite bassy like when you're tapping it cuts the sound out so really i really have to be mindful of you know making my steps very very clear that they can clearly see my feet because if they can't hear the sound sometimes that's quite that's quite difficult especially if they're auditory learners yeah definitely especially when taps so rhythm based Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, they have found that challenging, but we have on our website, we have something called the practice hub where we video ourselves doing the steps and they can go on and practice as much as they like. And they find that quite helpful because there's no time delay. It's just a pre-recorded. Oh, that's a great idea. Did Was that something you started because of lockdown or is it something you've always done? We've done it for the last couple of years and every student has their little password that they can get onto the practice hub with. It's done in like age sections. So for their classes and they can go on and if, even if there's classes that they don't do, they can go on and practice. You know, it's just done in age group, but it's just a little extra thing that we offer. Yeah, I really like that idea. Do you find that it's really helped when it comes to them learning like show choreography and exam routines? Yeah, definitely. 
definitely and we're looking at do you know it obviously takes a lot of work the filming and stuff so yeah we are looking at doing our exam syllabus on like in little segments to to put out to the students as well because we think that would really help there are literally a handful of students that actually use it it's those hardcore ones that like just want to eat sleep and breathe dance they use it but actually you can see the ones that use it because they're improving even though even though we're on zoom they're they're improving the whole time like you look back a year and you go wow well done you know you haven't let it go you're taken on board and it's those students that they want to get it right it's not that oh I just want to get this done it's I want to get it right for them for their own personal development and that's really important they take it on board as their their thing to have to to do not somebody else yeah I, I completely agree when do you find the time to film it do you do it like before you start teaching would you film it in class and then clip it during during the day, built a shed during lockdown <laughs> and made it my own little, I've got a little therapy room out there, but we use that to teach Zooming. But we've been out there and doing that. When it was the summer, it was on the decking. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've been into the studio as well. So, you know, since we found the studio at Wickford, we've been over there and we've gone during the day to do that when there's not been private lessons during the day. Because Alicia, my eldest daughter, teaches for me. So she's she's nearly 20. So she does a lot of the social media. So she cuts and pastes all the videos. So important, I think, to have someone to work with. It must be very difficult for dance teachers that are alone at home doing it. I'm really lucky that I work with my daughter, who obviously lives with me. Yeah, I think that because it's so isolating. And I think not in a horrible way, but it's quite a hard thing for for partners husbands wives to understand that actually I might only be teaching for an hour's class but I've probably got two hours of prep and finding music and making sure it works over zoom and you can see it clearly in that tiny little box and everything like that that goes into it is actually quite full-on even if you're not teaching a a full timetable like you would be out of lockdown yeah, and during the day, you've got it looming over you that it's in the evening. So it doesn't matter how much work you put in, you've still got that looming over you all day. <laughs> but, oh, how's tonight going to go? You know, have I done everything that I need to do? Pre-preparing that Zoom might not work, <laughs> you know, the whole lesson and stuff like that. Yeah, it's quite kind of mentally, emotionally draining, isn't it, actually? <laughs> Yeah, I think Zoom is probably more draining than natural class. I feel like I could teach a 12-hour Saturday day of classes much easier than I could teach for like three hours over Zoom. Uh, 100%. Yeah, definitely. That's why we've reduced our timetable. We've, We've kind of combined age groups and we've decided that we're teaching a production number over the next however long, a production number for our show that everyone in the school will be part of. And so there's the different levels taught in it, but, you know, we teach them all with, with amalgamated classes so that we're not teaching every single night. And that that has really helped. That's given us time to be creative because when you're tired from doing it, you just don't feel creative. 
Yeah, that's a really nice idea as well to get them all to work on a production number and it's something to look forward to when we can go back to normal. Um, We literally broke up for the first lockdown a week before our big show. So we had all the costumes, we had the programmes, we had tickets, we had everything. And now, obviously, it's almost a year later. So when we go back, we've got the fact that none of the costumes are going to fit. No one's going to remember the routines and that whole, like, minefield to go through of what what can we do. And part of me is really worried that, um, say, I rebook the show, what happens if we then go back in? Am I going to be in the same situation again? It's like, how long can this go on for? So what we've been thinking is maybe we're going to do it as like a movie. So for our, we usually do a Christmas spectacular, which is like a kind of a cabaret style show. So they all sit around little tables and we sing carols and things like that. And we weren't able to do that this year as well. I got all but one day of classes filmed for it as well, which was frustrating because tier four came into effect on the Sunday, didn't it? And I was like, damn it. But um, we filmed them doing their dances in class. They came in like Christmas outfits and I had a big photography backdrop that I'd stolen off our the photographer and videographer that usually comes to do our shows because obviously he's not working where weddings and things are off um, and covered it in like twinkly lights and put a little Christmas tree up and things to um, to film it so we could send it to the parents that way and that worked really well so it's now thinking is booking this show worth the risk have you got any shows or anything coming up well, we were actually really lucky because our previous like big production show is usually every 18 months and our show had been in the September and we were actually due to do our next show this April. So actually we'd not got into booking costumes or anything like that, but we have rebooked the show for August, but I think it's going to be a case of rebook again and it was the last slot left at the Towngate Theatre for this year so I think it's probably looking like next year now for our next show yeah I mean I can't imagine you know what what a devastating kind of effect that had on you like a week before the show you know the only thing that I would be thinking is right oh okay so maybe we'll work from the top down the ones that are the 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 young you know you push the push the costumes down so like hand them over do you know what I mean? And so that you've only got one bracket that you need to buy for, <laughs> like the older bracket kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know if that could work for you, but costume-wise, costumes, that would be just a complete and utter nightmare. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of trying on and cutting bits off and sewing in fabric and <laughs> all that jazz to try and fix everything. Maybe just like the ones that were seven last year, get the eight-year-old ones. Do you know what I mean? And you just, everyone swaps their costumes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Like almost like a big costume trade session. So they all come in and they try it on and see what they can find that fits them. That could work. And then you will only have the uh, the the biggest ones at the top that you've got to buy for. And then everybody chips in. Because it's it's a all or everybody's been affected, and actually, you know, maybe everybody chips in, and then that's a little something from everybody. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm at the moment. I'm going. I'm just not going to think about it until we're actually back, back, because I've no clue when the schools are going to go back. Let alone 
classes. One thing I do think is I think my turnout has been better since they shut the schools. Have you noticed that? Yes, it has actually, especially in the sort of up to 18s, I think, up to 18s. They've been better because actually, yeah, then, yeah, they've got more time. They've got more time to themselves. Yeah, and they want something to do. Whereas I think if they're still going to school and picking up from school and all that, it kind of almost doesn't feel like anything's different for them. And so then when it's like, oh, I've got to go and look up Miss Lauren on a computer, yeah. it seems like much more of a bigger deal. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Have you discovered any tips or tricks that you're like, oh, this works really well over Zoom, I'm going to use it every week? Um, well, playing games with them, for sure, because you need to break it up. I even sometimes will go, right, you, you can kind of get the vibe from them when they come on, can't you? It's like their energy's low. Okay, go and find me something beginning with P that is orange. <laughs> then they've got a thing and they've got to run around and get their endorphins flowing so I do things like that with them right you lot need to wake up a bit before we've even started <laughs> and I'll even do that in the middle of a class when I can see they're going drifting um so yeah I'll, I'll kind of make them think and go find something like retrieve something from somewhere the other day a funny one was can you go and find me something silver that begins with a k and they were like stumped it's like a knife that's easy just go and find a knife and come back with it or a key, yeah. And the amount of them that were like, I can't find anything silver that begins with K. So it really was baffling. And then they were all laughing and it kind of lifted the vibe a bit. So, yeah, we do. Sometimes I'll do like some meditation with them even. I do think it's about not cramming too much into the class, actually, focusing on something and giving them a challenge for the next week. So saying to them, like I said to my musical theatre class, right, I need you to go away and bring back next week. I want to hear about somebody who was a, a screen and stage actor. And I want to hear their, their journey. I want to know how they got into acting. Did they always act? Did they, what age did they become famous? I want you to go and find me some information. So I'll give them like challenges every week, which is, it makes them want to come back and show you. Some of them. Some of them are going, ah, oh, I forgot. <laughs> but there, there's there's some of that you know it just gives them something different we do a quiz sometimes just to break it up I think it's about breaking up the class it's not like your usual class where you've got your the schedule of things you need to cover and you go from one thing to the next to the next to the next you can't be doing all the corrections I also ask them to send me videos of what they've done so that I can give them critique and some of them like that, you know, they don't all engage in everything. So I do a lot of varied, varied things with them. I think it's getting that interaction. I think that's the main thing that's missing from Zoom that makes it so different to classes is there's not oh. that to and throw. There's not that sharing of ideas or talking about your week or giving kind of personal back and forth yeah. criticisms. So I agree I think all those ideas are lovely because it kind of brings away 
to have that interaction so they can talk on camera they can have their moment where they can chat to their friends and chat to you without it completely interrupting the whole of class yeah definitely so yeah that's the only thing I would say really is just break it up a bit yeah we've been keeping it yeah spending hours like on working on on developers when you can't get hold of their knee and show them where it needs to be <laughs> and stuff like that so that they can feel it it's, it, and you've got so many of them and you've got a mute and unmute and uh, yeah yeah so it's just basic stuff I think yeah definitely we've been focusing just kind of on the fun of it because I think they're all so stressed and so like I hate being in my house I hate doing home school and things like that they just want a release so we've been like they can for like jazz we've been picking they've been picking the songs each week that we're going to make up a routine to so I'll go away and things like I'll set say I'm going to make up the chorus but you've got to make up the verse and they'll go away in their little breakout rooms to make up the verses and then come back together to teach to teach each other and just gives them something to do and it gives them time in their little groups to kind of have a little chat and go hey I missed you how are you how's your dog show me your your yeah. or whatever's going on yeah definitely definitely yeah that's uh yeah that's a really important part of it isn't it I do sometimes feel like a real fraud though on Zoom because where the boxes are so small and you have to be so far away to get your whole body in half the time I feel like I'm just talking to myself like great job Lauren what's going on what beautiful pointy toes and I'm like I actually can't see so don't have a clue I'm just hoping that you are following me (laughs) yeah yeah well we had a situation the other Monday where my laptop wasn't sending any sound back to me so they could hear me but I couldn't hear them they could hear each other so I was kind of talking to a screen and getting no feedback at all and I was going Okay, I know that I can't hear you. So if you do want to say anything, say it in the chat. But they weren't. They were talking to each other. And I was like, this is so hard. I literally don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, we did a few pre-recorded classes on Google Classrooms for them as well, for ones that can't make the times and or don't like Zoom and things like that. And then they're even harder to film because I am giving them praise when they could just be watching it on their computers. They could not be moving at all. But as teachers, I feel like you want to interact and you want to give praise and you want to give feedback. So I just kind of do the things that are always wrong. Do you know what I mean? So if it's a little class, I will always talk about pointy toes or um, pulling up like your a tube of toothpaste and you're trying to squeeze it out the top, <laughs> things like this. Because I know that that is a probably one of the mistakes they're going to make, even if I can't see them. hundred percent, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously having your own building and all the things that come with it, rates and all that is quite a minefield. What advice do you have for people that are like, I'd love a studio, but I have no idea where to start? Yeah, it is just literally checking everything that you're going to need because obviously like when I was not finding a studio I started looking into hiring halls again and just whoa I couldn't believe how much it would cost me 
to hire again. However, when you add it all up, I think it's much of a muchness, but you have more freedom in your own studio. There's hidden things like PPL, PPR, PRS licenses for, for even being able to play the music. You've got the extra headache of that. You know, you've got people that come and do fire checks. You've got your all different insurances. You've got rates. You've got you've got to think about so many extra things. When you hire a place, it's all done. You just go in. But that's what you're paying for in hiring a place because they've got all the other insurances and everything else in place, haven't they? But you, you literally have to think of things like your health and safety, having, you know, risk assessments. It's the extra work and that valuing your time within it. But I do think that 100% I haven't learned yet that if you have your own space, actually you need to utilise all of the time in there because you forget that the majority of our classes are of an evening. When there's halls to hire, they hire out all day. So you need to be filling it with classes, really. But we often go, oh, but that's much of a headache because then I've got, to, I've got to find teachers to fill it, blah, blah, blah. I've still got to take the time out to do that. <laughs> but I do think if you have your own space, you really do have to get a business mind and actually utilise it because we actually teach in the studio probably... 20% of the time that it's there. And there's all the rest of that time that it could be being used, to, put to good use. So that's what my plan is, is to start thinking more about how I can actually make it profitable because, you know, let's face it, we don't earn a lot of money as dance teachers because we, yeah, we see it as a, I, I've always, well, not so much now, but always seen it more as a hobby even though it's my job and it's I spend hours, like hours and hours every week preparing, teaching, you know. But actually it is still a business and we need to start thinking that we have to actually make money because people don't take us seriously because we don't. <laughs> we don't think that we should be earning great bundles of money, I think, sometimes. Yeah, I completely agree. I think in large part it's because the world around you almost tells you that you should be living for the weekends and you shouldn't like your job. And it's just kind of, oh, I go to work to make money so I can go on holiday, so I can go this. And actually, I think it should be the complete opposite. I think dance teachers have it right and everyone else has it wrong. I think if you don't love what you do, why are you doing it? Like if I woke up tomorrow and decided that I didn't love teaching anymore... I would obviously I wouldn't quit my job, but I'd look for another job and find something that I did enjoy and wanted to spend all my time doing. Because like you say, you spend your majority of your weeks, majority of your life yeah. doing your job. So what? why would you want a job you don't enjoy? It doesn't make any sense. And no. then because we do enjoy it, then it creates the paradox where you're like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't make any money from doing it. And it's like, no. Because you have it, so you're going to be good at it because you're going to invest time and you're going to invest energy into it. So, yeah, I completely agree that it's almost a, a backwards way of thinking that people have that because they love their job, they shouldn't get paid for it when actually it should be the opposite. Yeah, I 100% I, I believe that. And I, I do think that if you get to the point where you're not enjoying it, then, like you say, you shouldn't be doing it anymore, which is why I then started to bring... Because I did get to the point a few years ago where I said, I've had enough. 
I am tired of, you know, slogging my guts out for no return and still struggling to pay my bills. And I am literally working. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm done. So that's when I decided to bring in people to teach for me. And it reignited my passion because then I had a little bit more time to take time out for family and 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 stuff and then I became interested again it's really about balancing the work-life balance we're very guilty as dance teachers of of literally putting everything into the dance school and our families suffer and then the guilt comes in for that and then you're resentful of the dance school I just think that really important not to get frightened of bringing in help you know because that actually frees your mind up to become creative again yes a hundred percent and I completely agree I think when you start your business start your dance school you kind of want to do everything and need to do everything and it becomes almost like a way of life and then you kind of forget that it's okay to change your mind. Like if you loved teaching four-year-olds at the start, but now you're like, I just don't have the energy anymore, then it's okay to get a teacher who loves teaching that age group. So you can teach more of the toddler classes or more of the street classes that you've suddenly developed more of a passion for. And that's okay. You can change your mind because as humans, we grow and we develop and that's how we learn and how we grow and how we improve our business as well as improve our own like you said work-life balance yeah did you start with a just for my own nosiness did you start with like a one studio building and then grow from there or did you go beat first and get a 60 studio (laughs) building well, we we had actually in, in my dad factory there were two rooms actually we had so much potential but it was too big for me it was just me teaching so I couldn't run two rooms at the same time so actually now it'd probably be perfect for us even though I wouldn't want to be where it's located yeah you know I think it's important to not kind of go too big too soon because then it makes you feel like failure. And you don't want to feel like you're failing, you know. Yeah, I, I, I've literally, I have downsized. But now my, my passion and my interest has gone into the well-being as well. So, you know, teaching the children well-being and stuff like that. And my daughter's passion is in like the street dance and, and dance like mine was before. I still love teaching, but I've got an interest elsewhere now. So I, I kind of want to do the well-being side of things and teaching them more life skills alongside the dancing as well so you know my interest has moved like you say it's okay to change what you enjoy and so we're looking now to having the other side of the like extra rooms in the studio which will help me to grow that part of it because we you know when we, we open a dance school you have this idea in your head of where you want it to go don't you I think it's really important to get very clear and I, I wasn't very clear I had an idea of where I wanted it to go but I wasn't clear enough and I knew that what dance did for children or what did for people even even like the OAPs that I teach you know it, it's about confidence and giving them the confidence and knowing that it's never too late to follow your dreams and our little tagline is creating confidence through self-expression. And to me, 
yeah, we have had students go off and go to dance college and we've had them become professional dancers, but that is not the main thing for me. My, I'm very clear now that and what we put out is that we are about life skills, creating confidence in people and children, and that it's more about that than it is the dance. Very, very clear about that, even though we want to offer good quality classes, which we do, it's more about them growing as a person rather than just dance and you must be hair slicked back and don't speak and blah, blah, blah. That's not me. So it was never going to work with me trying to do that. Yes. I'm sorry, I've completely gone off subject. Completely gone off subject. No, you're all good. I think it's fascinating. I was going to ask, have you noticed from a wellbeing standpoint a real change over this weird lockdown uh, procedure? Because especially in my toddler classes, between this lockdown and the first lockdown, that weird kind of few months we had of normality, my toddlers had forgotten pretty much everything because they'd been in lockdown for like a quarter of their life so they couldn't they didn't know how to share they didn't know how to kind of interact with other kids there's been so much that it's kind of deprived them obviously I know COVID is horrific and we need to be locked down but I think people don't realize the impact it's actually having on kids well-being and like social skills and everything else that goes along with the interaction of a dance class or the interaction of being in I think it's far more, to me, it's far more devastating than actually the actual impact of COVID. I know that I know people that have died from it and I am very aware that, you know, it's not, it's not good. However, I think it's not been weighed up enough, the impact on our next generation. And I just think they need to now be taught the skills to cope with that and to navigate their way through it you know whether that is through childlike meditation or encouraging them to interact with each other you know there's yeah you I have seen I've seen a huge impact on my older people you know my 60 year olds who are petrified to go out and that fear and the the effects that has on your immune system is far more detrimental than if they were to be able to kind of know it's there, but actually do things to make them happy that actually boost your immune system. You know, there's so much to say that we can do for ourselves and that people need educating on it. You know, it's proven, a scientific study has proven that your immune system actually gets 30 to 40% better for you when you are happy. So if you are constantly frightened, your immune system drops to really crashing low and you're open and susceptible to to actually getting anything. Yeah, I just want to, I really want to get it out there that do more stuff that makes you happy because actually you have a fighting chance then. Yeah, I think I've thought for a while that in schools and things, they need to almost have like a a mental health, a well-being class or part of class, like whether that's in um, PD or PE or, um, I don't know, form time. No. 
No, they don't. And they should be, you know, should be allowed to feel whatever they feel isn't wrong. I think we often say, oh, don't be silly. You're okay. Yeah, suck it up. You're fine kind of mentality. I've learned a lot over the last few years that actually their emotions are there for a reason. Yeah, and they're there for a reason. They're like little warning signals to them. They need to get, they need, they're taught at a very young age to ignore their emotions. And then that, that causes other issues as they grow up and then they ignore those signals and then that resides in the body and start causing illness, which is, you know, is a fact. It does, it does, you know, emotions have an effect on the well-being of your body. <laughs> yeah. So, I think especially yeah. now where people feel yeah. like if they haven't experienced loss because of COVID and things like that, they don't have the right to be upset or stressed. And actually everyone's going through it in their own way. And yes, some people might have it a lot worse, but it doesn't mean that your feelings aren't valid and aren't worth discussing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's very, very important to, to just allow yourself to move through those we we all go in on like a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah, it's bizarre. I found that um, quite a few of my one to one lessons, they've just been like they just want to talk or they want to say how they're feeling and then dance it out that way or sit down and do lots of handwork instead of um, like yeah. throwing themselves around the room like they would in class like some of the ones that had the most energy in class now over zoom are like yeah. oh but, but i think that's what they need and i think yeah. as teachers it's our job to kind of like you said read them as they come in and go right you need you need a bit of silliness to get you engaged and get you motivated to move because like you said exercise makes you happy when you have had class and you've had a great time you're gonna feel yeah boosted and more positive going forward for the rest of the day yes yeah definitely yeah that's so important and then we mustn't forget that they are losing that they're not getting that and it's not the same over zoom (laughs) sadly it's really not the same um how have you found it with the balance between running your studio and family what have you learned through the years about balancing that work work work-life balance yeah I mean I I had none until you know probably about seven years ago I do I do believe in investing in yourself and I started going to life coaching and to a homeopath and it helped me to realize it what it isn't selfish to think about what you need and what I needed was more time with my children and things like that. It's not selfish to consider what you need because then you, you do give more when you're in the business. It was, it's about, you know, actually having quality time with family, even if it was saying, right, this is the hour that I'm going to just, close close off everything about the dance school it's having that time out from it I think where you can be completely present with your family and 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 recognizing you do need to do that to be able to give as much to the business it's like meditation they say if you 
if you say that you don't have enough time to meditate, then you need to meditate longer <laughs> because meditation will make you more productive. So actually, if you don't have time, you need to meditate longer to, to make yourself more productive. It's kind of like that, really, you know, and um, and as I say, that work-life balance has kind of evened itself out a lot better since I took on, I invested in like coaches to help me to be more business-like, to have someone that does all of the admin because I don't like that. I don't like the admin. So actually, why waste your energy that will take you maybe 10 hours of your time doing the admin when you could pay someone to do it and actually valuing your time? Well, that's costing me 10 hours of my life. It would cost me might cost me some money for an admin person but oh what my life's worth that it's having the value in yourself I think and and actually makes you more productive then you can get more students in and it pays for itself anyway I really do believe in that I believe that since I changed my perspective on that that has helped me tremendously you know I agree and and then I've been able to Oh, sorry. Um, when it came to um, hiring the first person, what what went? What was your process? What went through your head? What have you learned from hiring that first person to now having? Yeah, well, well, the first experience of hiring somebody was I don't have the money to do this. I can't pay myself, and I um, I took somebody on and didn't really think about who I was taking on. They were young. They'd been through the dance school. They knew me. They were very comfortable. They wouldn't do the work that I set them to do. And, you know, I really didn't think about it the first time. And then I, I got a real fear around hiring people because it was skinting me, but there wasn't any more being done. And that was when I was very young. I was about 26 when I took over this dance school. And, um, and then... I kind of learned when I went to coaching and that the kind of people that I need to make sure that they enjoy the tasks I'm giving them. So if they don't enjoy the tasks you're giving them, they're not going to be productive. And it was about, and then I was still fearful because of before. And then I took on somebody to do the admin and she loved it and she loved accounts and would do all these kind of spreadsheets and show me and I'd be like, they're really lovely, but does it work? Yes. Okay. That's fine then. And then that was me done. And then, and it was costing me 120 pound a week. And I was like, 120 pound a week. I only pay myself 250 a week, you know? Um, And I wasn't even paying myself that then, actually, that's all I pay myself now But (laughs) at the moment, but it was because of everything going on, but actually it was, it was that relief. And then not, I started having the passion again, you know, and then I I brought teachers in that loved teaching the classes I no longer enjoyed. Like you said, primary classes, I used to love them. Now I really enjoy my um, teenagers to adults, young adults, because actually I feel like they're a challenge. I love being challenged and I love, you know, um, setting them challenges and and they're, they're, they're capable. So, you know, I love that. Um, so I, I get teachers to teach the other classes. So, 
yeah, it, it kind of works. I think that's a really good point as well that, like you said, with your admin lady, she loves that. She loves making spreadsheets. She really enjoys it. So she's going to put all her effort into it and you wouldn't because you don't like it. So it's about making that separation, isn't it? And the same for when you're hiring other staff, you need to give them what they want to do and what they like. Obviously, not everyone's going to love 100% of what they do, but if they do 80% of what they do, and then 20% is the paperwork that goes with it or the the research that goes with it and things like that, then you're going to have an employee that wants to stay and wants to grow with you and and will be a good fit for your school. Like, when I interview to hire a teacher, I have so many questions I ask that I think people sometimes are a bit, shocked when they come for the interview or I tell them about my list of questions I ask them but actually it's because I want to make sure that one that you're a good fit for me and my school but almost more importantly that you know that you're going to enjoy working for me I don't want to go through all this hi you get your contract written up pay the accountant to put you on the pay pay p-a-y-e scheme and all this just for you to turn around and be like actually this is me or I didn't realise it was going to be like this. Yes, because it's so much more detrimental to your business to have people coming in and out and in and out. You know, all of my teachers are long-term teachers because of now I make sure that they're doing the stuff they love and we it's checking in with your teachers and, and making sure that they're happy with everything. That's a question that I ask. And I say, look, I can't change anything unless you tell me. I need to know if there's any area that you're not happy with. Yes, definitely. Because you're not them. So unless they tell you, you're not going to know. You're going to know what you like doing and what you don't like doing. But that could be the complete opposite to what yeah. they like doing and what they want to do. So, yeah, I think it's so important to communicate and check in and keep communicating because like we said they could change their mind they could have a kid and suddenly decide actually I really don't want to work late nights I'd much rather do all the toddler classes in the mornings rather than all the teens in the evening yes yes definitely so I always I always end with this question it's what piece of advice has a person or a teacher given you that you will always remember Okay, so the one that sticks out in my mind is probably one that everyone's taught. That it's when you're on a stage, you don't ever fiddle with your costume. You don't, if you drop a hat, you don't pick it up, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's all the stage presence and it's not touching your costume. And one of the students actually, when they were telling their memories last week about their favourite memory of being at Chameleon, and she said... It was turning around on the stage and seeing Courtney dancing in our ballet dance when we were 11 with her, with her nipple out. I was like, oh my goodness, I didn't know this happened. And she was like, well, you always told us don't fiddle with your costume when you're on the stage. And I was like, I don't mean like that. I mean, <laughs> you know. A very similar story when I was younger that my dance teacher did say that to me and I was the, it was before she even opened the dance school we did a, a tiny little show in the village hall and there were only five of us that were privately taught. We had really quick changes and she just whipped my t- tutu on it was back to front. And I did the whole thing with my chest almost hanging out the top of the back of my tutu. 
And I remember, don't touch it, don't touch it. And I just said to the girls, girls, can I just be really clear? We're never indecent on the stage. <laughs> oh, I love that. That is so funny. And half the time, I don't think they realise how funny they are. <laughs> I know. We've had children going on the stage where we say, like, no underwear for, you know, under your costumes shouldn't be visible, etc. They've gone on the stage and you've gone, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of, actually, girls, I need to make a very, very clear point here. <laughs> I need to highlight this. <laughs> Underline yeah. it a few times. They do take you, they take you literally, don't they? they? They actually do. So we have to be very careful what we say. That's what my point is. <laughs> be very careful what you say to kids because they sometimes take it literally. That's one thing I think is really funny on Zoom when you like scratch your nose and you'll see all the little boxes scratch their nose. And you're like, no, that wasn't a dance move. I just had an itchy nose. <laughs> they are, they're like little puppets. And so we've done. Yeah, they are. Bless you. Them. What would your advice be to other teachers looking to hire their studio or hire a studio for the first time? run their first class yeah just to just I think it is to be very clear about their vision so that they're giving out what they want and then they will be able to attract exactly what they want for their dance school be very clear on what maybe come up with your tagline of what is your thing what is it you want to do what is your passion and then you can grow it you know and always always be mindful of being in your flow and doing the things that you love because then they will feel that and they will feed off of that and that will be how you'll grow your school. A thousand percent, I love that. That is the end of our episode. Thank you so much for listening and have an amazing day. So that was part one of your best self with B. I hope you enjoyed it and next week we will be on to part two. Uh, I had to divide it because we spoke for so long we just dived into everything and she was a fountain of knowledge so I couldn't not share it all but I didn't want to overwhelm everyone with a two-hour podcast so part two will be coming next week. <laughs>